right? So we have today an amazing expert who is Justin Akins. This is our Ask Me Anything on Ask a Real Estate Investor Anything. Justin, can I literally ask you anything? Or ask me anything on Ask a Real Estate? Yeah, sure. You can. <laughs> I can't. All right, cool. So I want to. I won't ask any really hard questions, but I will. I will ask some questions. Um, so we've got a bunch of questions that came in in advance. I've got them here on a list. If you're watching on Facebook right now, so Justin is. But just to give you some framework, Justin is an agent himself. He does work with investors. I've personally sent him investors. He's in Ohio. I've sent him a client of mine who was looking to buy investment property there. But Justin is also an investor himself. And I went to a training years ago, Justin, where it talked about be your own best client. You ever heard that phrase? Yeah, absolutely. So tell us while I'm looking up these questions, I want to get us started. But just tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you start becoming your own best client? So, you know, the competitive market this year, I mean, this year, certainly I'm my best client because of how competitive the buyers are. So um, I looked at the overall amount of work it's taking to work with buyers. And I just looked at the opportunity to, uh, hold inventory versus try to fight with everybody for the uh, what's available. So I kind of took that approach. So, um, and then also as the years have just kind of compounded, you know, more opportunities present themselves and um, more opportunities for rentals and kind of taking it to the next level. So uh, yeah, this year has been great. I love it. All right. So you kind of, you kind of started off in the first question, which we, we have these in loose order, but uh, Gary had asked a question that you, you touched on. Maybe we go a little deeper. He said, how do you get started in the world of real estate investing? Like if you're if you're just watching this thing for the first time, you're you're an agent, and because most people watching are agents, and they're thinking, I probably should be getting doing some investing. How would you get started? I got started um, because I, I I house hacked. I lived. I bought a duplex, FHA loan, three and a half percent down. I moved into the one side and rented to my friends. Um, I know that's not you know I was also twenty five at the time, so I had a lot more flexible living situation. You know, I would, that was the best decision I ever made. It, it kind of, it, it's exposed me to a lot. You know, I was, I was, uh, became comfortable owning property and becoming a landlord all at the same time. Um, but then, you know, I know that can't be everyone's situation. So, you know, when I uh, talk with, uh, with potential sellers, you know, if the opportunity presents itself and it's, you know, people have different levels of determination for when they're selling, you know, if, if the, is something that I could help them with by a quick, easy sale. And they're, you know, full disclosure throughout the entire process. They can make more money if I help them list it, et cetera. You know, that's, that's another opportunity as an agent. Um, I've done a couple of times where, you know, instead of going through the whole process of it, getting rid of mom's stuff, she's passed away or whatever the case is, they live across the state. You know, I've helped them. Um, I just bought the house from them directly. So that is from an agent perspective, another opportunity that um, I have done. Interesting. And that, that was actually one of the questions. So let's see who someone's asking that. Kim, Kim was asking, like, if you're an agent and an investor, do you find investing in properties helps you become a better agent or Pelster agent business and vice versa? Or do you treat them as totally separate silos? No, at that being an agent, or I'm sorry, being an investor has made me so much more confident as an agent in knowing an education about properties, knowing what something can cost being that, you know, a lot of when you're helping a buyer and or seller, the anxiety that comes along with when looking for houses and or reviewing the, like a release of contingency doc, you know, from an inspection, um, that really just the unknown builds a lot of anxiety. So by 
the experience I have as an investor has really helped me, you know, to, you know, um, talk to other either um, buyers and or sellers about, you know, you know, what something may cost. Hey, this is the, and or knowing what like the age, the age of a roof, the typical ages of roofs, furnace, ACs, all of those things that come along with the house and what the potential expense will be really, you know, has made me much more confident. And then the confidence, you know, people can see that, you know, they, they, there's a level of trust that they start to have with you and that, you know, you're looking for the things that could be potential costs for them versus, you know, the aesthetics of a house, which, you know, ultimately I don't really have any say or care about, you know, if they want, you know, leopard carpet and yellow walls, that's on them. I want them to make sure that, and, and, it, and it's okay if, if that's, you know, an old furnace or an old air conditioner, as long as they're educated with it. But by my knowledge and, and me disclosing it and showing them through that and kind of makes them more comfortable throughout the process. I love it, which is frankly, all that really matters is the sense of, of confidence you create in your clients. It doesn't right. matter the things you say. I mean, you have to be legal and ethical, but like your, because I've heard you speak before and your amount of knowledge you have is just astonishing what you know, not only costs and what goes into it. Did you have a construction background is my own question now. By the way, guys, if you're watching on Facebook, Zach, let us know if there's any live questions that come in. Please type them in the chat box. If you want to ask Justin anything, Ted, who's here, you know, so we have some people here on Zoom with us um, that are live. If you want to ask a question, type it in the box or come off mute. Um, did you have a construction background? Did you know any of this or did you literally learn on the job, so to speak? I No, I have no construction background and I I've surrendered to the fact that I'm never going to be able to be handy. Um, I've, I, I learned by doing my, my dad, um, you know, he's owned rentals my entire life. Um, not, not many, I think he he's owned seven or eight right now, but um, you know, I, I learned by like helping him, you know, clean out, you know, the crap or pulling carpet or painting ceilings or priming walls, like stuff you can't screw up. Really, like that's what what I would what I kind of could do, um, but I've I mean, also been let's around. Be fair. You still could screw it up if you wanted to, but it's been it's generally low low barrier, right? Yeah, low low margin of, of of likeliness. So anyway, but like being around it, being like like I, I'm I'm educated enough to understand what needs done. I just can't do it. I can't go put a you know I can't plumb things. I mean I can switch outlets and. And, and light switches, but like um, right now, that's not a good use of my time. But when I was getting started, like I learned how to do those low, you know, those those safe tasks that I. But you know, it's it's more so about the education of yourself to not be able, not be ripped off. That's the most important part. Is like you know what needs done. You know um, somebody that can do it. That's going to be fair, and you know that you're not going to get ripped off. So that's really what I've kind of focused on on building through my network is you know, a sphere of contractors that I trust and that can get the job done for a reasonable price. Yeah. Love it. I love and it. not the cheapest. Well, it's not never cheap. the cheapest. I've never hired the, I mean, the cheapest person's desperate. The cheapest person says they can do stuff and they, they probably can't do it the right way. And you just end up creating more problems. So it's, it's more so just, you know, being fair um, and, and reasonable with, with your contractors. Yeah. So, so how do you pick your people you're working with? Do you screen them? Do they come from a recommendation? Well, I've, uh, yeah, a lot of, you know, just either agent recommendations or, or contractors who know contractors, those recommendations. Um, 
you know, being more involved on the first, second time I'm using somebody to see what they're doing, doing it the right way. Um, pricing, you know, their pricing, you know, kind of driving the pricing initially, you know, especially once you have the experience, you kind of, you're not asking what their prices are because you kind of know what stuff's going to cost. So you kind of ballpark it and see where they land and or ask them what their, their cost is going to be and then see where, if they land in the right spot for you, it's more of a test to see if like this is somebody who's going to try to rip me off or not. So um, again, with the more experience that you have, the more, you know, people are going to understand, you know, if you know your stuff or not. So, But that, but I like that little test because it, it's almost like when, so I, I put this in the context of hiring people for um, my back office. Sure. I start when I hire people in back office to do something easy that I know how to do. Because I want to see if they're going to do it the way I already know, a different way. Are they going to complete it? How long does it take? Like, I know exactly how long it takes to do some of these things because you give them tests. So, so you do the same thing when you have vendors and people you're working with, it sounds like, on, on your Absolutely. Property. Right, I love yeah. It. I love it, love it. All right, cool. Um, what I might ask you this before. I'm looking at this question. These are my own questions. I just keep popping in my head. Because it's rare that I get to talk to someone that knows is, I mean, you, how many units do you have right now? You have, Did you close on those? Are you up to like 80 units? Uh, we close Friday. So it'll be 86. 86. So I, I own 50 right now, but um, uh, 36 with, uh, it's a partner, a close friend of mine. And it's actually my flipping partner too, that we've done uh, 11 flips or so this year together. So, um, but yeah, we're buying 36 one bedroom apartments. Okay, so, so you, you just said one, you're right, 36 one bedroom apartments. Anthony actually had a question. Anthony had asked, um, do you believe it's better? It's a loaded question. You ready for this one, Justin? Mm-hmm. Do you believe it's better to buy a duplex, a triplex, apartment complex, or a single family house? Is it better? Okay, so I, people, a lot, people have asked me this before. Um, I don't look at the number. I look at the deal. I also just bought a single family. Like we bought it last week with my same partner. And because the number makes, so the same partner and I are buying 36 and a single because the deal makes sense. You know, ultimately too, it's like, what are you trying to accomplish? If you're going to house hack it, it might make sense to buy a two, three, four unit and live in one unit and rent the others. If you're buying for a specific purpose, such as to flip it, I'd, I would tend toward buying single families because you have a greater pool of buyers. Um, if you're, you know, if you're syndicating or, or borrowing other people's money, putting that to use, you have to go bigger. So you have to go apartments. So I also typically buy for value add, not for, uh, um, don't pay retail. I mean, that's kind of the, one of my, my main rules. And that doesn't mean you, it's, uh, it's, you can't be all in for 90% of it, but it's all about like uh, buying for value and buying the specific deal. Cause each property you know, it can, can work in, in different ways. It's just really knowing the best utility for that, for that property. Yeah. And, and, and it's so interesting because there really is in the world of investment, it's hard to say there's a best, there's a, there's betters and different ways of doing it, but I, I respect anyone who's gotten many units as you clearly you've made some mistakes. You've done it right. You've done it wrong. Um, two questions I see in the chat box. The first well, one, I'm, I'm sorry. I want to interrupt that just because I listened to some, I listened to a podcast. Uh, actually it was bigger pockets. Um, you don't have to sit and wait for the best because if you sit and wait for the best, all of the good ones are going to pass you by. And a lot of good ones are, are, I mean, it works out very well, but if you're sitting waiting for the best to, you know, hit the home run, 
I don't hit a lot of home runs. I hit a hell of a lot of doubles. I mean, a lot of doubles. And, that, and that's, and it's just, it's, it's recycling the capital, keeping it moving. I don't like sitting, I don't like my money sitting on the sidelines, looking at it and, you know, looking at a savings account or, or unused equity, whatever that, that looks like. I like using my money and having it move. So, I mean, so I wouldn't say look at the best deal. It's looking at if this is a good deal and I can get in and out with the proper amount of time, which is key, you can't hit a double if it takes you, you know, 10 months. Cause that's, that turns into, you know, you know, that's nothing. You need to hit a double in and out in less than three months and then move on. So, um, but that's really what the, what I look for is like, what's the best use of my money and my money for my time. That's an incredible, those two minutes, by the way, if people get nothing else out of this, that was fantastic advice. Truly. Like, like I mean, I, I know a lot of investors. That was great, Justin. Um, Herman's asking, Herman Gutierrez is watching on Facebook. Uh, so thank you, Herman, for watching. He's asking, how do you go about financing investment properties? Because you just mentioned you have your capital. Are you financing? Like, what, what's your velocity of money? How do you look at this? It all depends on where you are in the process. So each person, if you have the income to qualify, you can have up to 10 loans, traditional finance through a bank, mortgage company, et cetera. Once you've reached 10, you're on the commercial side. So I have, um, I, I've also, I've networked with enough people with enough money that they have lent me private money for long-term debt. So I personally have eight private mortgages and that's filed at the county, promissory note signed, terms, annual, you know, taxes, all that stuff filed. Um, so I have eight private mortgages. Um, I've paid cash. I've, I've paid off homes. I've uh, five or five paid off homes. Um, but I have equity lines on all of them. So I have access to the capital. It's not just tied into the, into the property. And then uh, commercial financing. So and that's, those are different terms. It's not, it's not fixed for the full term of the loan. Um, but it's usually resets every five years. And then you either have a balloon or it could be fixed for the, the term, the 20 or 25 year term, typically. Um, so you're talking I, about the commercial financing, the commercial financing. Yes. Uh, the, the first 10 traditional financing, you have 30 year fixed rate loans on those lock in long term debt and, you know, utilize it to the best that you can. So, um, so yeah, so those are the couple of different ways that um, I've, I've paid for properties. Um, and also, it's what's your purpose for them too? You know, for flips, I typically either pay cash or use my equity lines, which are cash, and that's for short term. I don't want to use long. I, I try not to use hard money. We've used hard money three times this year, meaning like a hard money company. So, and that's just more expensive debt. That's the reason why. So, um, can, you know, I, people I, in I, my network have lent me money for for our flips too. You know, at a fixed rate. Um, and that's just easier too. if, uh, the, the interest rate doesn't necessarily matter as much as the points up front. Um, because if you're using it for 90, hundred days, you know, although it's 12, 10, 12, 15%, it doesn't matter if it's going to be, you know, transacted and, and turned over that quickly. So well, that's what I was going to ask. So in case people are watching, because we're going to record this and keep it forever in case people are watching this later right now, it's like October, 2021, we're recording this. Um, are you finding a lot of lines of credit? So if you have investment properties that are all paid off or have a lot of equity, are you finding lines of credit that are, don't charge you points, don't charge you much to borrow against them? Oh, right now it's it's super cheap. Um, 
I think my my rates are less than five percent on my equity lines. Um, this is I, I have a I have a collateralized line of credit against my cash value and my life insurance and my brokerage account with my financial advisor. So that's another way. That's three percent debt. I mean, so that's give me a, give me as much three percent debt as as I can get. Money is so cheap. And but guys, I hope you understand. So Will Penny just dropped the comment. Will, glad you're watching. Will just said Justin's legit. Um, you are, dude, because you've taken so many hours of studying all these different methods and put them down into such like, this is so much good content. Literally, if people have never studied investing, if you have before, I hope they understand what they're hearing from you because you just broke it down into you have short-term flips, long-term what you're holding. You're looking at your debt where you're going to you know, turn over the money faster. Do you do more flipping or do you do more of this like buy and hold sort of long-term investing or a mix of both? By far buy and holds. This is the um, first year that I've really ramped up the amount of flips that I've done. And it's, it's a lot of it is because of the, uh, just the overall market, the buyer market here. I have a three and one year old. So I wanted to spend, you know, be, be available, spend more time at home. Um, so I took the approach to trying to have more, replace my buyer transaction income with my flipping income. Um, so overall, it's I'm still helping buyers, but that's that's why I looked at it. Um, and also with with the being able to buy, yeah, I think you have to look at the market holistically, right? So from when I bought my first house, my first duplex in 2011, the values were so low to hold on to something for a longer term was was great. But if you can find a, a great deal right now to generate the cash in a flip, generate the cash and really wait till you find that specific great undervalued deal that you can buy and, and hold on to. So I don't want to pay retail and hold on to it forever. I want to buy something cheap and hold on to it forever because it's the best use of your money. I love it. I love it. So, so uh, I thought this question was from Zach or from someone else asked earlier. How do you manage that many projects? I mean, you've got flips and you've got eighty rentals. And I remember you saying that up until recently, you self-manage all these things. Zach says, "Yeah, cool." Zach, you're allowed to ask questions too, man. We should all learn about investing. This is good. So, so did you like? How do you manage that many properties? So, up till the first fifty, I was managing them myself, me and my Excel sheet. You know. Um, with these with these 36 about to close, I hired a property manager. She's got 20 years property management experience. Um, we're transitioning from, you know, I literally would accept rent. You drop it off at my office, check, money order, Venmo, Cash App, Zelle, you know, whatever. But now I'm, I'm, I'm putting this to either send me the check or through my property management platform. So I'm trying to simplify my, my uh, you know, having 86 people pay you rent, I would like to have it you know, all in one place. So Julie, my property manager, um, she started last Monday. We're, we're transitioning all of our data and all of our client information to the platform. And then we're going to roll that out in the next week or two. Um, so really, the management is not as difficult. It's more intimidating than it is difficult. And the reason is, is because you, if you count the doors, it can feel overwhelming. But if, if you have decent to above average properties, which which I do. I'm not going to try to act like these are top line, like for sale ready because they've been living in them. I mean, they're they're good properties. Um, they shouldn't have a lot of management issues, you know. And especially if if with the tenants, 
if you do a good job finding tenants, you eliminate a lot of management issues. You know, I do background and credit checks on every single one of my applications. I one for a couple of reasons. One for liability. You know, I don't want to. I'm not um, to discriminate. I you treat everybody the exact same. Um, and then secondly, if if you're a knucklehead and you've got crap credit, crap background, don't have a job, and I require background credit checks and income verification on all of my applications, and I charge you thirty dollars. To do that, you're not, if if you're an idiot, you're not going to pay me thirty dollars for me to tell you you're an idiot. So just that small barrier to entry gets rid of a lot of idiots. And then you know by doing this as long as I've been doing it, you've you know I've been burned. I absolutely been burned. But now I'm starting. I got burned today on trying to give somebody the benefit of the doubt. All right, tell me the story. We got we got time on this story. All right, so yeah, any it's, it's very short. And, and, and the reason why. I mean, I live in Northeast Ohio. It snows, you know, typically, I mean, it just gets crappy weather. I don't want people who want who have to move during crappy weather because that, that means you're likely a lower quality tenant. So I, my, my buyer or my tenant, she told me, I asked her to renew her lease. She said, I'm looking to move. I said, that's fine. As long as you don't move December, January, February, because I don't want to one, if you have to move around Christmas or end of this New Year's, it's because, you know, you're. Your family doesn't like you. You got broken up with. You got divorced. You got kicked out. All nothing I want, right? Okay. Or, um, and then also, like, who wants to move when it's you know twenty degrees outside? Nobody. So I'm trying to just push those lower quality potential lower quality tenants out by just not having available vacancy at that point. So anyway, so I'm month. She's month to month for the past four or five months. She's a great tenant. She's a nurse. Her and her daughter live there. Well, she texted me today, hey, I'm moving out December 1st. I'm like, this is exactly what I did not want. So, and I'll tell you right now, not doing it ever again. Never again am I going to do this again. because I'm getting, I get to eat crap, you know, December, you know, no, who wants to meet her Christmas? She, there's always turnover. So I have to have a vacant property. You're right. property so, for two months or three months, right? At least, at least a month, right? Yeah. So, and, and, and by the way, guys, people watching, it, just so you understand what happened. So you typically have a lease. People move out at the end of the lease. You gave her a little extension and on the benefit of like, hey, just don't move during these months. And sure enough, she turned around and said, I'm moving December 1st. That's exactly. I said, hey, I'm willing to work with you. I, you know, I, I get it. You want to move closer. She lives or she works 45 minutes from home or from her from the house. Blah, blah, blah. I, said, I get it. Just don't don't screw me during these three months. Well, gave her five months and month to month. And here we are. So. And, and by the way, as I get what you're saying too, because it's not that the human beings are like, she's not a bad person. She's no. just doing what she's doing, but she has her own agenda. And your agenda as a landlord is I don't want a vacant property in Ohio in December. It's a crappy time to have a vacant property. The only people who are moving into this property potentially have something wrong on their record, which is why they're moving in December. Right. I get it. Cool. That's smart. No, I, 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 I'm in San Diego. This, we only have like four minutes left. So be respect for your time. Maybe we'll do another one of these. We'll do a whole series. I mean, I love this stuff because I love investing. And I, I mean, I got five rentals, but I'm, I'm nowhere near the level you're at. And I just, I wish I had more bandwidth for this. Um, for me, I don't invest out of my market. You happen to be in a market that's fantastic for buy and hold. But like, I never would have known about, hey, having a vacant property in Ohio in winter because I'm in San Diego. All year round is a good time to move, right? 70 degrees all year round. Do you have any advice? I know we talked about this last time on Agent Power Huddle, but in case they missed that one. By the way, guys, go back and watch his Agent Power Huddle. It's fantastic. We'll drop a link in the comments so you can see that one. Um, 
would you invest out of market? I know you mainly invest locally, but would you ever? Would I ever? Um, I think there's there's better opportunities to invest in real estate outside of owning something out of market. Um, that's me personally. Depends on whether you're accredited or not, or if you there, there's real estate funds that are professionally managed that you can invest in that have they don't have the the, the upside. You can't leverage it. I'm personally not comfortable putting my money to work outside of something that I cannot control. I, I the reason I never hired a property manager is because I I don't think they do that good of a job, but um, that, that that's why. I mean, you, you can invest in, into syndications. You know, if, if you if you're an accredited investor, you can you can invest with reputable apartment um, managers and people who who do this for professionally, um, and or like professional real estate funds that have you know in the neighborhood of seven, eight, ten percent returns that are you know consistent and that you feel comfortable investing with because it is real estate. But you don't have the leverage. You don't have the leverage aspect, which is huge. I I just had an idea, Justin, because we're almost out of time. Had you ever thought about like I know you reference bigger pockets. Have you ever thought about having your own investment podcast? Uh, uh, thought about it, but I don't know the first thing about it. Like, well, we can talk offline if you're interested. I don't want to put you on the spot, but like you're really good at this, and you have an incredible amount of information that you actually are able to communicate in a really like straightforward way. We could figure out a way that wouldn't take up a lot of your time because now you got little kids, so do I. But if you want to talk offline, let's talk through that. I think the benefit for you would be, it would help you not only stumble upon more deals locally, help connect you with other agents, which will help you find better properties, but you'll probably end up connecting to a network of agents around the country and you'll just start getting sourced deals, people bird dogging for you. That like, that's the reason to do a podcast. Right. Like that. Anyway, just an idea. Um, yeah, absolutely. This is fun. I, I mean, I hope guys, I hope watching, I hope you've enjoyed this. I know Ted, you're on here, but I, if we have on Facebook as comments, like truly you are, a, you are really good at explaining these concepts. And this is, this is not easy stuff, but you break it down in a really straightforward way. Thanks. Yeah. I love it. Any, any last thoughts or things you want to, to leave people with? Yeah. You know, the real estate investing especially when it's your own money versus if, if most of us are agents, you know, we can work with, with other investors, but it's their money. Okay. Have the confidence. You have the confidence. You just don't know it yet, but like take action. That's it. Small wins equal more confidence. And then when, when you are presented an opportunity that you hear about from other people, you will understand it. You'll feel confident that you know it. And when you're ready, take action to buy uh, buy the property. That, that, I mean, that, that's more important. Again, you don't have to wait for the best. What I said earlier, you don't sit around waiting for the best, for the best, for the best. If you if you are confident in your numbers and the ups, like all the values that that come into consideration when you're when you're deciding, just, just take action. Because when you take the first action, the second action is ten times easier. The third action is so much easier. I have a buddy right now who's looking at a property for us. I'm not even going to look at it because I'm going to trust him because I know what the worst case is and what the best case is. And if it's the worst case, and that's just, just pure confidence in understanding my, my market, the overall values, et cetera. So I mean, it just, and it's a, it's a slow process. You're, it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't. I mean, I, it, it the more you do, the more confidence you have, and the more, um, the more willing you're to say yes and take action on these deals. 
I love it. I'm just writing in the chat box, Zach, will you cut and paste this? I don't know if this is the name of your podcast or not, but I just wrote down overnight investor. I don't know. We could come up with something. So like, you didn't learn this overnight, right? I don't know. Right. This is kind of funny, the idea that we'll, we'll mess around with it. We'll wordsmith it. But seriously, that's really, that's really solid advice, Justin, because what you just described, you've collected this amount of experience over the years. You can now analyze your downside, you know, protection of risk versus the upside reward instantly. And because you have a rapport, you're like, cool, I'm, I, I get it. And that, that's what you need to be able to make this work. Yep. Well, thank you, thank you. We'll tag you in this post in Facebook. If you're watching the recording later, um, I mean, what? How do you like people? Do you want people to reach out to you if they have deals Please. or clients? And in, in uh, you know, in, in the the is it just Cleveland, Ohio area? What areas do you service? It's primary, It's actually Akron, Ohio. So okay. it's it's south. It's about 30, 40 minutes south of Cleveland. I, I have worked in Cleveland. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a expert in Akron. You know, I, I know Cleveland, but um, yeah, feel free to reach out to me through Facebook, um, Instagram. Um, yeah, be happy to talk to people. Love it. It's Justin Aikens for anybody listening to the audio only version of this. It's last name is A-I-K-E-N-S. Justin Aikens, yep. obviously. There'll be a link in the show notes. Yeah, this is rad. Awesome, man. I just, I love the not this stuff. So thank you for being here. I love it too. I love it. Too. I love talking about this stuff. It's probably, you know, to my wife, sometimes it's, uh, she's like, all you talk about is real estate. Blah, blah. I'm like, well, all you, all you talk about is nursing growth stuff. So anyways. <laughs> I don't know how to combine the two. I think those yeah, are right, separate right. conversations. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon, Justin. All right, man. Thanks, guys. Bye, guys. Produced by the Agent Collective Media Network.